listener production. Crew, you are listening to episode 153 of the Howie Games Part B, featuring tennis player Tanasi Kokonakis. Service, please. Oh, skip forward, mate. Um, I, I saw a post the other day that you were back in the 100 after six years, and yeah. I know, um, talking to Bianca, that you're a man that wants to look forward, not back. So yeah. I get that. So I don't want to dwell on this, but just so people have an understanding, 2015 undergoes – so it summarised your six years, basically. Yeah. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. 15 <laughs> undergoes shoulder surgery. 16 finishes year without ranking. 17 ends season after US Open. 18 suffers fractured kneecap. 19 suffers pulled pectoral muscle. 20 can't compete or year due yeah. injury. 21 recovers fitness, wins challenger title. Then we'll get to 22. Yeah. Let's not go into injury, yeah. except explain to me you've coming up, you've said how much work you're doing. Yeah. People are talking about you. You've got a ranking. You're on the way up. You're ranked in the top 100 as a kid. Yeah. And then you have five, six years of really difficult times. Yeah. How'd you get through it? What'd you learn? It's tough. I had to learn a lot about myself. Um, I learned about the people that are kind of the yes people that you kind of jump on when you're doing well <laughs> and the people that are legit with you from whatever happens um, and don't care about your ranking. They just care about you as a person. So I learned a lot about that. It was tough. As I said, end of 2015, it was my first professional year on tour, sort of playing week in, week out, and I got to 69 in the world. Um, And then, yeah, I ended up doing some gym stuff by myself and a few other issues playing basketball that I probably shouldn't have. Just young people things. I was 19, so I was just trying to have fun. Learning to be professional, you know. I'm not not a finished product by any any means. And then, uh, yeah, it kind of didn't go so well for me. I had surgery. I I had the opportunity to play in the Olympics the year after in 2016 in Rio. And I was in no way, shape or form ready to play, but I was tossing up where all the physios were telling me not to go, like I'm not ready. Uh, but I, again, I didn't know if I'd ever get another shot at the Olympic game. So I don't care if I go there and have to serve under my shoulder was bothering me. I couldn't serve, but I'm like, I'm going, I'm playing. I'm just soaking it up for the experience. At least I can call myself an Olympian if I go. I ended up doing that, tried to play out that year, ended up having a few more injuries and then kind of, it's weird from... Not having too many from a young age. I had a, li- a few little in there. But when you're coming back after a long injury, all this other little stuff that comes in that you'd never really expect. And it was just so hard to get momentum the last sort of uh, four or five years. I'd have, I'd come back for a couple months. I'd play, I'd have a good win, and then something would set me back Beat again. Federer. Exactly, yeah. Something like that. I had a Raonic win. Um, these Verovin Hopman Cup as well. So I had a few, a few good wins, which would kind of, in my head kind of tell me to keep going uh, but then I'd also have some shockers and some other games where I'm like I don't feel like myself at all so that was a tough part wrestling back but eventually my family was massive uh, my coach was big uh, and it was just yeah just kind of looking back on the moments where I'd have good success and good results and think hang on if I'm fit and can put it together I, I can't do this forever I might as well see what I can do with whatever time I have How'd you keep your love for the game when it was going against you? Oh I didn't Right. I definitely lost so it a few times. So you got to the yeah, point yeah. where like, tennis is no fun now. Yeah, especially after the year 2016 where I only played the Olympics that year. Um, that was my only event for the year. 2017, I came back. I won the doubles actually in my first tournament back in Brisbane. Mm. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm good to keep going. And then I got injured in the last point of the doubles match with a serve. So I had to miss out Aussie Open. I was like, you're kidding. I ended up – tennis has a thing called the protected ranking. So yes. if you're injured for sort of nine months or more, you can come back with your ranking that you had when you were injured. And you can get, if you're in the top 100, which I was, direct acceptance into these tournaments. I remember I played a lead-in event before French Open. 
and I was just so bad. Like I had no idea. It was on clay. I felt like Bambi on ice. I had no hmm. idea what I was doing. I, I said to my coach, I was like, ball my eyes out. I was like, look, I don't have it anymore. Like I'm not enjoying this at all. Like these are guys that I felt like I should be beating or should be better at, better than and I'm just not having, like not feeling myself on court. But I had three more guaranteed Grand Slams for the rest of the year. I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not enjoying this at all, but I'm just going to pick up my money. Um, it is what it is. I've earned it. I might as well take the money. And then if I hate it after this year, um, I'm going to play this year out. And if I'm done, I'm done. Like, that's it for me. Like, I hated it so much, to be honest. I was just not feeling myself. Ended up the next week playing Nishikori um, in French Open, who has like a, been a top 10 player yes. for, for years and like really pushing him and having a really close match on barely any, barely any match practice or training. And then from then on, I'm like, hang on. No, nah, I've still got a bit in me here. And then I pushed Del Potro in Wimbledon. And then I ended up making a final of my first ATP event later that year. So I'm like, there's a bit to work with here. I'll keep pushing and keep going. So that's the physical side. What about the great thing about life now, Tanasi, is people are well and truly prepared and open often talking about the mental state and how important that is. How did you deal with the mental side of the fact you couldn't do what you loved? Yeah, it was it was really tough, especially when you feel like you're so limited uh, in your abilities. Um it felt like this is what people know me for. Um, it's been well documented. Like there were a couple of years where I was struggling mentally, depression, big time. Um, and it was just because I felt like it's easy to kind of go out and be in public when you're winning because everyone kind of loves you. Everything's going sweet. And then you're injured for a while. You're not having the results you want. You're kind of, you're a bit embarrassed to kind of show yourself in public. But And that headline becomes Kokonakis, yeah. injury prone. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Which that, every athlete hates. Yeah, and that's what you're known for. And especially me, it's, it's taken a while, pretty much up until this year to kind of turn turn the narrative a little bit on that. Um, but yeah, it's weird because that's what you're known for. That's how people recognize you. That's what you're known for, for doing. So then you feel like you're not really worthy to kind of like be outside or you feel not go outside, but like be around a lot of people and kind of lap in the social experiences that mm. kids my age should be doing. Yes. So that was that was the tricky part for me to kind of learn to deal with that a little bit. Yeah. Enough of backward. Yeah. Let's go to current forward. Let's do it. Adelaide, you yeah. talked about your first ranking point. Yeah. All of a sudden you win your first title. Yeah. Um, which I would be fair to say you cried. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can say uh, it. I, looked, I, I loved I, I it. I tried to avoid it, but there was a couple of tears potentially. Mate, I loved it. Thanks. Uh, semi-final <laughs> the week before, and I've written it down, Arthur Ridenek, who I didn't know a great deal about. We yeah. don't need to. The thing yeah. is, three sets, you won. Yeah. She's been a big old journey from Oof. that fourteen-year-old in buddy yeah. Ipswich. Yeah, yeah. So, what does it mean when your hard work pays off? That was nuts. That's still, I know the Aussie Open. We'll talk about that later. I'm sure, but yep. that week is the most important week of my career for was sure. It? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, hometown to do it in Adelaide in front of friends and family. Um, everyone around me had had a tough year. Um, <clears throat> a lot of family had a rough year as well, but. I went, I played the semifinals and I was like, this is a great first week of the year. You know, you're not sure how you're going to come out. Hometown, a lot of pressure, um, had a great tournament. And I remember I was getting less and less sleep each match just because there was a bit of hype building. I hadn't kind of played in that environment in a while. I remember the night before my match with uh, Monfils, I didn't sleep a minute. I don't know why. I just couldn't sleep. You're my, just too keyed up. Yeah, my adrenaline was pumping because I was always playing night matches. So it's really hard to wind down for me yeah. after a night match and then... I was looking at my clock. I felt like I was asleep. I didn't want to take a sleeping pill because I'd feel like I'd be groggy the next day. 
and my adrenaline was just building and then I was like, hang on, it's getting 3 a.m., 4 a.m. I'm like, shit, I'm awake. It's 5 a.m. Now it's getting light outside. And now the stress is yeah, coming in. Yeah, now I'm like, crap, I haven't slept at all. So I played my face. I had like two monsters before I played in a shot of coffee just trying to something to get me going, some pre-workout. So for all the kids out yeah. there that want to don't achieve two monsters <laughs> and a shot of coffee. <laughs> no, I ended up losing that match, so I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I was like stoked with that semi-final, but I sat down with my team. I was like, look, like I'm so burnt out uh, after this week. I need to take a week off and, and refresh uh, before Aussie Open. So yeah. you, you were going to skip the yeah, next week? Yeah, I was going to skip the next oh, week. I did not know yeah, this, Tanasi yeah, Kokonakis. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I was going to skip the next week and uh, I was like, they're like, just sleep on it. It's in your hometown. Like I knew how hard or how hard I worked to play tour events again. I barely played one the year before. So I was like, whatever, I'll see how I go. Draw comes out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a crack. I play uh, Benoit Pair. You never know what you're going to get with him. Obviously, a real talented player, but... Uh, I won that. I'm like, all right, semi-finals has been a great week. I'm going in, I'm running into Chilich, who's playing unbelievable yep. Grand Slam champion. Like, could be it for me, but who cares? I'm going to go out there, have a crack, go out there, play the best set of my life uh, in the first set. Um, and it ends up being a war. I end up being down a break in the third set, get it back. With Kokonakis with four match points. down another break I think get it back then I'm up 6-2 in the third set tie break so I've got four match points unbelievable scenes here in Adelaide I shit the bed completely he, he, had, wins. he had match points didn't he yeah he wins five points in a row oh, has oh, a no. match point oh, no. and then I've gone <laughs> ace ace Then he wins two more points. So I had one match point. I didn't take it. Then he wins two more points. And then all of a sudden, I've got a match point on his serve. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just played like free one. And that was like one of my best wins ever. found myself in a final and I'm just like I've got to take this I have a set point in the first set of the final I don't take it I lose it but for some reason I'm still like internally pretty calm I still have a fair bit of belief the guy was playing unbelievable as well I couldn't touch him on serve well it's delight for the Frenchman Rindafnish takes it on the tiebreaker Kokonakis will be disappointed with how that unfolded Something shifted. I'm down in the second set tiebreak. I end up playing an unbelievable second set tiebreak. Hadn't had a break point or match on him. Third set, I break him first game. Um, and then, yeah, I could, I could kind of sense the finish line. I played a great third set. Atmosphere was off the charts and 
may have may have shed a tear or two. He wins his maiden title in his hometown. Extraordinary achievement for somebody so young to have been through so much. And when you get to the finish line? Yeah, just relief. When the when the final ball sailed over, I remember because I had three match points and he saved the first one with a winner. And I was like, hmm. It's all right. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's feeling the nerves a little bit as well. I hit a good return, got into the point, and it was just relief and raw emotion. Just how it happened in Adelaide, literally on the end where my friends and family were, like they were like three meters away from me. Um, it was, yeah, best week of my life for sure. The trophy to your champion, Thanasi Kokonakis. We folks there. Yeah, folks were there. Brother, sister, cousins, uncle, everything. So, so if you don't mind, and it's a private family moment, but but what's the conversation between your mum and your dad? Like they're and you, they're they're proud as punch, but they've seen what you've gone through, yeah. and you've no doubt been driven all around the country yeah. by them to tennis tournaments yeah, at ridiculous clock in the morning. Hundred percent, yeah, exactly. And just like I'm, I'm not super emotional, but then if I see my parents or or family, if they if they shed a tear, then it's it's curtains for me. I'm <laughs> I'm done. Then I start. That's good, so, mate. Yeah, so that's what happened. I saw when they walked onto court. Um, I remember I was trying to do my trophy presentation without without trying to like uh, shed a tear or anything like that. But yeah, when they when they came onto court and I saw my mum was actually not even crying, which was weird. I thought she would be, but it was my dad. <laughs> and my dad like is a strong like yeah. old school sort yep. of blue collar dude. Then when I saw like the red in his eyes, like they're crying in his eyes, I was like, fuck, I'm done here. <laughs> so yeah, that, that got me going. But it was just, it's not even, we didn't even have to say anything. It was just more just knowing the journey and, and going through when they've seen me at my lowest lows. Mm. And obviously now at my highest high, it kind of was a massive weight off my shoulders and made everything worth it for sure. To my family, my coaches, friends, everyone here, um, what a ride it's been. Uh, you guys have seen me at my lowest lows and obviously now my highest high. Um, it's been a it's been a serious journey. Uh, I'm hoping this is just the beginning, and I'll worry about next week, next week. But for now, man, I'm so happy. Thank you guys so much for being there. Then we get to the Australian Open. Um, we, we spoke earlier on about, and I said as a commentator that I love entertainment. Um, people sit on different things. I enjoy tennis, but and I'm sure you've had thousands of people communicate this to you in the last six months. I enjoy tennis but I'm not going to sit there and watch a great deal of tennis. Yeah. But when, to be fair, when you play, when your mate Nick plays and when you play together, yeah. I'm watching yeah. because I'm enjoying the tennis, but I'm being entertained as well. Yeah. And Tanasi these days, you know, I can watch Netflix, I can watch Foxtel, I can, you know, there's a million things I can do with my entertainment time. Yeah. So do where do you sit on the entertainment side of things? Is it just the way you play? Do you think that it needs to be brought? Where do you sit on it? Because it was thoroughly entertaining. We'll get and the congratulations for winning the thank thing. You, thank you. But the way you won it, yeah, and the way you entertain people was brilliant, mate. It was absolutely yeah. bloody brilliant. No, I appreciate that. The best entertainment you'll see. 
Crystal Kays through to the quarterfinals of the doubles. Um, had a lot of people come up that see me at restaurants or on the streets say the same thing. Yeah. They're like, we never used to watch tennis like that. Um, How good's that? that yeah, you, that it's, you, it's unreal. That you're bringing a new audience to the game. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's obviously the winning helps that because if we had one entertaining match and then we lose, it's like, oh, you know yep. what I mean? Like it's, but because uh, me and Nick, we've played in the past. Obviously, we've done okay in the juniors, but every time we've played together on, well, singles was always our first focus. And every time we've played together on Grand Slam stage or, or pro tournaments, we might win a round here or there, but then there's some good teams out there as well. So we lose or no our doubt. focus isn't where it needs to be or we're not taking it as seriously as we should. This year, we kind of both lost early in the singles uh, for, for both different reasons. And then, yeah, we, we ended up playing and we won our first round, the second round, and we just like had a lot of energy. You know, Nick's Nick. Guys, I'm just going to let you talk. The crowd don't want to hear me. They want to hear you. Talk us through it. Unreal scenes. Um, you know, like... When we were young, playing on the 12s, we grew up in Melbourne Park, and to, to say that we did it together, semi-finals, and I'm not finished. I want to win this fucking thing, to be honest, bro. He's charismatic. I have my moments where I try and bring that out, but I don't want to like rein him in as well or let him go too much because then you know, we've got to try and win the match as well, so it's tough. But I think because I've known him for so long, I kind of can, can find the line with that uh, with him. Where no one else can. I think so. I think so. It's just because we, we've known each other for so long. Um, and then, yeah, second round, we playing the number one in the world. These are known as the best teams. These are Croat boys that blew up? Yeah, these are the Croats that blew up. Um, these guys won Olympics last year, finished year-end number one, won all these tournaments. They were pretty much like unbeatable uh, the last year. And we ended up winning that in straight sets and in front of that Kia Arena and the crowd was nuts. And I've done it. What a performance. Pure theatre. The crowd love it. And the Wimbledon champions are out. High quality tennis by Kokonakis and Kyrgios. There was a lot of Croats there, which is fine, whatever. They were going for them. We were getting sledged a bit. It's yep. cool. It's, it's part of entertainment. But just the looking on the crowd, you know, tennis traditionally is an older crowd, a little bit more proper. It felt like the oldest person in there was 35 like in a stadium and there was people doing shoeys on the on the side of the court. They were telling us to yell out grunting sex noises as we're playing <laughs> and we're just kind of lapping it up. We're doing whatever we can while trying to keep the focus because I think we kind of knew what to expect but our opponents didn't. So we were just kind of bringing the atmosphere, bringing the energy and we were playing good tennis and, and firing it up and yeah, it just... Uh, Everyone was like, you guys going to win this thing? I was like, no, 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 we're going to lose first. We're going to lose next round for sure. I was but telling what, everyone. What, what happened with the Croat boys? Was, like, there was meant to be yeah. a bit of aggro down in the change rooms, was yeah, that it? Yeah, there was a bit. a little bit of breaking news. I want you to have a look at this. Uh, this was a tweet put out by Nick Kyrgios. Now, drama and Nick never too far apart. He says, just letting you know, after yesterday's chop fest in doubles, my opponent's coach and trainer proceeded to threaten to fight in the player's gym. Tennis is a soft, soft sport. And he tags in his doubles partner, Thanasi Kokonakis, all because I moved and hit them with a tennis ball. What do you make of that, Sam? So there's this one thing. Before you explain it, again, (laughs) I don't know if you've seen Drive to Survive on Netflix. Good. I I think they're doing a tennis one. And I I look forward to seeing that because in that entertainment arc, again, if I'm hearing, oh, there's been a bit of aggro between such and such and such and such, I want to watch him play. 100%. I want to watch him play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where tennis needs to get better. And I no think doubt. Ho- hopefully we help that a little bit. So what happened? 
So what happened was, it happened a little bit during the match, but obviously people are going to be salty when you lose. Um, or if you beat them, I don't know, for lack of a better term. But... No, I like salty. My kid is salty. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, so there was this one point where I watched and Nick had a short forehand and he hit it and he hit the guy, which is fine. Like that happens in tennis doubles. all this time, especially yeah. in doubles. And Nick apologized. He's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I was like, oh, it's, it's very respectable. It's nice of Nick to do. So I turned my back to go get the balls because I'm serving. And then I didn't see, but they show it on the replay. Then he turns to the Croatians and starts flapping his tongue out at them, <laughs> which I didn't see. So maybe that irked him a little <laughs> bit. Possibly. Yeah. But whatever. It's kind of a bit of fun. It didn't do it like at their face or anything. So it was kind of fine. And then Nick hit a second serve one time and like it was an ace on a big point and he did like a big ball celebration, meaning like it was a, it was a clutch serve. Anyway, we end up winning the match, whatever. I'm like, Nick, let's go to the gym. You know, we're professionals. Let's go stretch and warm down. Probably the first time we've ever done that after a doubles <laughs> match, by the way. We get in there and I'm on the first through the door and the Croatian's fitness trainer has a foam roller and he's just smashing it up against a pole, like heaps hard. And I, th- I was like, holy like I was, I thought he was kind of joking, and I was like, "Oh yeah," I, I like hit Nick. I was like, "Oh yeah, dude, he's gonna lay into his players." Watch this. Anyway, turns around and just beelines for us. I'm like, "Oh shit, what's going on here?" And he had these big veneers on as well, so it's just I don't know. <laughs> and his chompers. Yeah, he had, he had big chompers. So, <laughs> and he was like sweating, and like, the saliva was like coming and spitting out. And he's like, "You think you have big balls now?" <laughs> and I was like, "Who me or Nick? Like, which one's got big balls?" <laughs> I was like, oh, no, this is outrageous. <laughs> and he kept coming. He got closer and closer. He's like, no, show us your big balls. We do it outside. Show us your big balls. I was like, oh, God, what's wow. going on here? He's like, I'm like, this isn't UFC. Like, what's, what are we watching here? Anyway, he gets up pretty close to Nick, and I kind of get in the middle because I actually knew this guy before, and we had a fine relationship. So I was just like, mate, what are we doing? You guys lost. I understand there's some tension there, whatever. And then Nick's like, the only thing you'll be fine, you'll be on your flight to, to Croatia on a Boeing 747. So then that escalated it a little bit. <laughs> But whatever, it's it's it was it was nothing. It was it was a bit of fun though to watch. And the first thing I did is I tried to go into Craig Tiley, the CEO's office, and I was like, "Mate, we need the footage of that. That's hilarious. Like, <laughs> somehow get me footage of what happened out there." But yeah, they got a bit got a bit close, got a little pushy. But were nothing. the Netflix cameras there? I wish they were. Oh. I know. I wish they were. Back to Tanasi in a moment. One of the toughest conversations I've ever had on this podcast was with another tennis player, Yelena Dokic, a strong, strong, strong woman. Very often I would go, you know, out there on the court, even later when I my, my ranking dropped, maybe I was 100 in the world. But people don't realise I was going out there with all of these problems and winning, you know, a match maybe on the challenger level was such a big accomplishment. And it's hard to explain that to people on, you know, such an individual sport and a tough tour like that. But for me, those were, you know, accomplishments because there was so much going on still in my private life that I, again, talk about and everything that he was putting me through. I mean, I'm not sure which player in the world, if ever, has had to have security guards to protect them against their father, you know, threatening to come and kill everybody. So I think that in itself, going out on the court is an accomplishment. That's Yelena Dokic on episode 44 of the show. Back to Tanasi. You win the tournament. Again, congratulations. It's it's brilliant. Um, The interviews afterwards are brilliant. You know, I saw you the next day um, celebrating with your family, having dinner and stuff. Just brilliant. Um, But let's move on from that if we can. You've been playing recently. So you've, since then, you've been to the States. Yeah. 
playing in Miami, 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 and LA, yep. and did really well. Yeah, really well. Chat with me for ten minutes about life on tour and yeah. what it's like, and hotels, and courtesy cars, and food, and yeah. fitness, and paychecks. Yeah. How does it all work? Yeah. Because all we see is two hours on court. Yeah, yeah. I, I spend a lot of time traveling with my job. Yeah. Um, and a hotel's a hotel at the end yeah. of the day, and room service is room service. But I, I'm fascinated what it's like yeah. on the ATP tour for for a bloke that's ranked 90th in the world. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is the difference you can make when you're ranked 90 and ranked like 130. Right. So there's only like 40 ranking spots difference, but. Just solidifying yourself in the top 100 means you're guaranteed into every Grand Slam. Yep. And that's minimum probably over 400K yep. there for the year. Yeah. Uh, US. Right. So, so, so just to get first rounds. Just to be so in there. So you get rolled in the first round yeah, yeah. in all four. Yeah. Okay. And being, but being in there also gets you direct entry into most other tournaments as well. Yep. So there's a lot more than just that, which is massive. But if you're, so like the first round of uh, being in top 100. Uh, for a Grand Slam main draw is about 100K, yep. give or take. And then if you're first round qualifying, so you, anywhere from sort of about 105 or 106, if you're outside that, just being in a Grand Slam qualifying, you're probably maybe 17, 18K. So that's a difference in Massive, five yeah. ranking spots. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So this the is the type of stuff I want to know that I don't know, that we don't know because yeah. we, we don't live it. So for me, as I said, like, I mean, you can look this up, all this stuff's on the internet, but like for me, my most important week of my career singles-wise was Adelaide. And I made, what was it, probably around 60, 70, 70K for Adelaide. It's just a good week's work. You're not complaining with that. Absolutely. You win a doubles tournament, a grand slam, you pocket, it was like 380 or 390K. Right. So it's like, hang on, now like we're talking, but Adelaide was a lot harder than what the doubles was. Now, yes. I'm not saying doubles were going to just roll through because there's a lot of good players. But gotcha. for me, like the singles was so important. That's the weird thing. It's kind of where you do well and where you make your money. Last year, I was playing a lot on the Challenger Tour trying to build my ranking up. You'd play five matches in a week um, and beat quality opposition and you'd make sort of seven, 8,000 at best. What's a week costing you? A lot. A lot of times more than that as well because you're paying... Okay, if you if you make seven thousand in the week, you probably make a couple grand. Okay, so, so I reckon for, I reckon it kind of could cost you around three. And what and what's that? Your flights, your hotel, flights, your hotel. That's not even including. Oh, no, it's probably more. I didn't even include my salary for my coaches and right. And so who have you got with you? Uh, I usually I always have one person with me, whether yep. it's my fitness trainer or my coach. Okay. Um, Honestly, if you're playing on the Challenger Tour, you're probably losing money per right. week unless okay. you win the tournament and you probably break even. So g- give me a what, – what do you reckon? Um, B's here as well. She's probably better on this. What, what, what do we generally think currently touring the world playing tennis you need break even? We're sort of talking – I reckon – 400? No, nah, no, nah, less. Oh, it depends. A lot of, depends who you bring with you on the okay. road okay. as well. So with a minimal entourage. Yeah. So if you – You haven't got Vinny Chase and his crew out the back have, there. I don't have Vinny Chase and the entourage right. back there. I reckon I reckon you'd be safe around two hundred break even. Yeah, break even. Yeah, so, so not losing money. Yeah, but if you go like in real try and if you go try and just do it all yourself and don't bring a coach, I reckon sort of seventy, eighty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then it's crazy. Yeah, really. it, it is. People isn't don't realize. It, it, it like, is. Oh, you're playing professional tour. You're like you're making shitloads. Well, when you People... look at prize money, you think, wow, there's exactly. a bloke's coined up, but exactly. but not necessarily the case. Yeah. Locker room before you go out there. The other bloke's in there, yeah? Yep. 
Uh, this strikes me as bizarre because there's, yeah, I, don't, I, I can't people, think of many people, other sports. People don't get it. Yeah, people are separated by change rooms in most other sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you're playing old mate X, do you yeah. have a chat with him beforehand or do you stay away from How does that work? It just depends on the person. Like I've played a lot of my mates and a lot of people I'm kind of friendly with and I'm pretty easygoing. Like I'm not. Very. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not looking at you. I'm not talking to you, okay. whatever. Like, but you, I'll, that I'll, does happen. Yeah. It happens heaps. Depends. You've got to kind of read read the person a little bit. Like sometimes I like to kind of talk a bit of shit, just like banter, nothing. Yep. Nothing about the match, but it's just how I am. I'm easygoing. If people don't want to partake in that, I'll just move on. But like sometimes I'll just talk about rubbish or see something on TV and talk about it with them or talk about basketball or whatever, people that I'm around. But there's other people that would go completely opposite way. Like Nadal obviously would be real serious and real serious, focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Federer's Feder- a bit more relaxed. Murray's pretty easy going after a match, but before he's like real locked in. And Djokovic kind of is in his own world a little bit. So I kind huh. of, yeah, let that go. But just everyone's different. But yeah, it is it is pretty weird when you explain to other athletes yeah. and that, that you're in the same uh, locker room. It's, uh, I've always it's thought hectic. that. Another question for you on this. Yeah. You're on the other side of the world. You've got maybe one person with you. You're doing everything you can. You're coming back from injuries. This is you or anyone now. You play what you would describe say, as a crap game. You mm. get rolled. You thought you would have won. It's cost you ranking points. Could cost you this, entry yeah. to here. Yeah. How do you go with life then back in your hotel room by yourself? Oh, it sucks. Does it? <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's rough. That, that's when it's such an oh, isolated sport. A lot of time by yourself, and that's that's where it feels like a lonely place out there, um, especially most of the time I'm room by myself, um, sometimes room with the coach, whatever, uh, just because I've known my coach for a while. But, yeah, that's that's the tough part. You're by yourself, and you're just like – you kind of want to do things to distract you, but also you keep replaying it over and over in your mind, especially if you've had chances or opportunities. And on the main tour this year, it's been a lot better. Um, you can take the losses. You're playing against higher, better players, higher, higher ranked players, more money. It's easier to take. It's whatever. Uh, but last year, especially playing on the Challenger Tour, and I was so hungry to get my ranking back up to the top hundred. Losing to guys sometimes you feel like you should beat. That's when it really starts playing on you. Like, do I have it? A lot of doubts. A lot of self thought. Um, so how do you get through that? Just got to train. Just got to train and try and keep a positive mindset. And uh, the, You can train the body, but how do you train the mind to mm. not go back into the hotel room and sit there and dwell? Uh, I think it's impossible not to dwell a little bit. You try and try and distract yourself with other ways. Hopefully, you've got some mates at the tournament or some people that you – I think having people you get along with uh, and that can travel with that you're comfortable with is, is massive, especially on the road. Sometimes that's more important than having a coach there mm. just so you can be in a good headspace after a loss like that. The good thing and bad thing with tennis is you can have a good week and have no time to celebrate because you've got to play again. Then you lose the next week and you all of a sudden feel like you're the shittest player ever. But with tennis, you can have heaps of bad weeks. You hit you hit the lottery on one week and you play unbelievable. And it's like, hang on, I'm back. Yeah. Like, I'm ready. And that's a good thing. And like track and field athletes or swimmers with the Olympics and that, I know they have other events, but yep. that's the be all and end all for them. They train four years, put in a shocking performance. Got another four years to that. The good thing with tennis is we got a week after week. So that's one of the positive things. You can be average for 90% of the year. Last two weeks of the year, you, you hit form and you play well. It's like, hang on, he's back. He's all, he's found his form again. But that's just sport, I think. It's all what have you done for me lately. So as a as a 26-year-old, you've had a pretty significant journey. You were there. You were down. Yeah. And you're on the way up again, which is fantastic. <sighs> Like dreams, aspirations, goals, or have you met them all because you're just back out on court fit yeah, and healthy? It's weird. Like people have asked me that, like, what are your goals now? Are you sure you're hungry for more? And I am, but 
it's weird. As I said, when I was younger, right? I don't want to be complacent, but when I was younger, you have all these dreams. Right? I want to win Davis Cup. I want to be number one in the world. I want to win Grand Slams. You realize that's fucking hard to do. Yes. Like there's so many players doing that and just the journey. And that's what makes the the big three or the top top of the game guys we have now so so incredible to do it week after week. But for me, winning Adelaide was such a massive, massive goal. Um, and it was it's not something I expected at all. I was like, hopefully I can play well in front of the crowd and not embarrass myself. <laughs> um, that was such a weight lifted on my shoulders. And then to go out and uh, win a Grand Slam with one of my best mates the week after that, it's like, I don't know. Admittedly, there was a bit of a lull after the January. I was just like, what What's now next? for me? Like, yeah. I know I can build my ranking or try and win better tournaments, but I won a massive tournament in my hometown. I won a Grand Slam in Australia with one of my mates. I'm like, shit, like, I don't know. Like, if I, if my tennis career ended now, I'd be... Obviously, there's some more things I'd like to do or i try to improve and do better at some Grand Slams, but I would be okay. And I wouldn't have felt like that before the January started. So that's where I'm at now. Now I'm just trying to see how well I can do, um, play out the rest of my career and, and see what I can get to. But I'm not going to go traveling sort of tournament to tournament, week in, week in, week out, just try and get my ranking a little bit higher. I want to make sure I'm enjoying my tennis, being out there and, and having fun and, and trying to get home when I can. I love coming home. I did last year, nine months straight on the road playing some shitty tournaments, not going to lie. And I just hated tennis after last year. And then January, like I had, kind of reminds you why you, why you play and, and that sort of feeling, which you don't really get. That's the thing. I always thought about stopping, but I'm like, I wouldn't get that thrill and that adrenaline if I did stop. Choose to answer this, yes or no. Um, you don't have to answer this one, it's just from what you said. And yep. I love that answer. Of these places you've been, where's the dodgiest tournament you roll up to? Fuck. That's a good question. Uh, let's hope you don't get back on the Challenger Tour and they hear yeah, this yeah. answer. Exactly. Um, I mean, when I was younger, I played in New Delhi. Right. But New Delhi's weird because there are some really nice spots and some absolute... Yes, that's India. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, there you go. Um, so that's up there, but also nice. Uh, where have I played it? Absolute shocker. Oh, just like a couple small towns in Romania and just... <laughs> it's just sucks sometimes. I don't want to throw any Romania because no, Bucharest is nice. No, that's, uh, w- w- but there's just some spots where you're just like, mate, there's got to be more to it than this. Like, well, you're a long I'm way like, from I'm going Wimbledon home. There. I'm doing a nine to five. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question for you. Um, we are blessed. And it's been a real, uh, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I'm glad we could do it in person. I'm glad to see a, a fellow with a big smile on your face, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, we have a lot of kids listening, which we're lucky. We always finish this way. Uh, for those kids that want to become tennis players or scientists or mathematicians or the best builder yep. in Australia, from what you've learned and you've had a pretty good journey up and down as a 26-year-old, yep. what advice would you give them? Uh, and you have, to, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Um, and I've been guilty of not enjoying it sometimes. Hmm. Um, it's weird. We're so results-based. Everything, like you enjoy it when you win, you hate it when you lose. Trying to enjoy the journey is the biggest thing. It's cliche. It's hard to do for sure. But it's weird. As I said, when you're younger and you're aspiring, it goes from this is just having fun and you do it because you like it and you enjoy it. And then somewhere along the line, it turns into a job and you feel like you have to do it as opposed to this is what you want to do. So that's the tricky line. Mm. Um, you have to enjoy it and then if, if you realize that's what you want to do, you, you have to commit to it um, and you actually genuinely have to put in put in the work. You can get to a certain point without it, but uh, if you want to kind of 
get through that barrier and, and push for a few more goals, then you genuinely have to have to work hard. And the other thing is to kind of be patient with it. It's not going to happen overnight. I love it, mate. Yeah. I've got to say, I love the earring. I, I, I don't Thanks, know if mate. I could pull it off. Thanks. You would have in your youth. Well, yeah. In, in your youth, I don't you know. I look at it and think, shit, could I pull that <laughs> off? And I'm you thinking, could've. probably not, but nah, I love it. Mate, I love just the vibrancy you bring to sport. Thanks, Thanks for giving us a thrill over the summer. Hope everything goes well in the upcoming year and that you have a few more wins and enjoy your mates and your family and stay safe and stay healthy. Good on you, mate. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Well done. Good, man. Oh. good guy is Tanasi. Real good dude. Had quite an impact on Darcy and I. Whilst you're listening to this, Tanasi is most likely at a tennis tournament somewhere, somewhere around the world, trying to improve, trying to have fun, and trying to keep his tennis dream alive. Good luck to him. Thanks to Tanasi for his time, to Bianca Giannoni for making it all happen. Thank you, B. And to Darcy for rolling it out in his typical stress-free manner. Hope you have a great day from here on in, wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in. Until next Thursday with Lisa Curry. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.